0: Der Fußball ist zurück in der zweiten Liga.
1: Rechte Neckfahne mit dem linken Fuß, bringt den Ball auf den zweiten Pfosten, Teschle, Tor! 1 zu 0 für die VfL Bochum! Da draußen ist der Ball frei und jetzt ist er drin! Jetzt ist er drin und die ist Potzen, macht das Tor! We welcome you to another edition of the spider Bundesliga Podcast with me, Matthew Karagic. It's been another action-packed week in the best league in the world. Drama, goals, and everything in between. That is how crazy this league is. Joining me today is a man who's done a ton of travelling in the last 10 days, from York to Newport to Gelsenkirchen and London and back again. It is none other than Alex. Alex, how are you doing today?
0: I'm extremely tired, Matthew.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is no surprise, but all wins for him, none the same. We're going to go straight into the action with Group 1. Our top spieler, so to speak, was Magdeborg versus Paderborn. It was a 1-1 draw between the two former promoted sides. Rico Priesinger with the opening goal on 13 minutes and then an excellent volley by former Brighton & Hove Albion defender Uwe Hunemeyer sharing the spoils. Alex, this was quite a good game. I thought Magdeburg were decent early on, but I think late as the game got on, um, Paderborn were very, very strong and probably could have won this game.
0: Uh, Definitely, yeah, you're right. Um, Under Michael Earning, Magdeburg uh, seems to have uh, a knack of just grinding out results, and I think uh, you know, the Rico pricing uh, goal was a good example of that. I actually thought um, you know Paderborn had a few scrappy chances near the uh, at the beginning of the game, and uh, for Magdeburg to really grab hold of that game and get an early goal themselves, um, turn the game on its head, is it a testament to how uh, Michael learnings made them such a hard team to beat. And I think in in the relegation scrap, that's going to be a such a, a good thing that they can uh, they can rely on. Uh, But I mean, I think it just shows uh, how well Paderborn have done this season, that they can go to somewhere like Magdeburg and maybe not play the best uh, at the beginning of the game, but they'll turn it around and uh, pick up some points. And from their perspective, it's uh, probably more a point gained, I'd say, than uh, two lost.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the goal may have come from an unlikely source, but they all count the same. You know, you can't help but not. Be impressed with Magdeburg, though. Defensively, they were very solid. Um, you know, The chances they gave up towards the end of the game were, I don't know, I would say fatigue-based, but we know how good Paderborn have been going forward. Um, this game was very physical. I think there were seven or eight yellow cards dished out. Um, it, it was quite good. I enjoyed the game, um, but I think, I think both teams will be quite happy with, with the share of the points. I think Magdeburg are really in a good position to climb out of that, that bottom three, so to speak, and get themselves into that mid-table scrap. The second game came from Kopernick It was on Friday night when Union Berlin hosted Armenia Bielefeld. Also a one-all draw. Joshua Mees opening the scoring on 23 minutes. And then just off the hour mark, right back, Jonathan Klaus levelling the scores. What was quite a decent game, uh, but a very, very good away point for Armenia Bielefeld. What do you think, Alex?
0: No, I'd agree wholeheartedly with you actually there. Uh, I was speaking to our resident uh, Bielefeld fan, uh, Eva, during this game, as you'll all uh, know. And uh, when Union scored the early goal, where we, were, we were fearing the worst, that it could be a bit of a drubbing for Armenia. Uh, but I think they showed a great character to actually get back into that game. And you know, towards the end, uh, they pushed on and could have won. But I think, you know, you, you can go... Going to Kerpenick and getting a point, I don't think you can ever complain with that, especially in the form that Union have been in uh, this season, and particularly at home with the uh, limited chances and goals that they've actually given up. Uh, so, again, like uh, Paderborn going to Magdeburg, I think this will be a case of Armenia being extremely uh, happy with a uh, point from Berlin.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and that's a testament to Uwe Neuhaus, who's really instilled a confidence into the squad that was really lacking towards the end of the calendar year. Um What's your impression been of Uwe House? You know, he's been at the job for just over a month now. Um, ha- oh, sorry, more than a month. He he did towards the end of the uh, before the winter break. What's your impression been on his-, his tenure so far in Bielefeld?
0: Uh, like you, I've been impressed. Actually, I remember. I believe I was on the podcast just when he was appointed uh, I mean, our menu manager, and we were saying, "Oh, he's a it's a-, a strange one, really." We we weren't you know, at first convinced perhaps. But you know, he's gone in and like you said, he he's got some big results for Armenia but and not just uh, results against, you know, teams around them. They've beaten very good teams, you know. Uh, Dresden at the time when they won there were a lot higher up the table. Uh, the victory at home to Hamburg and the one away at Jan Regensburg, they're they're not results to be sniffed about and, and you know, I think in, in that sense we have to really applaud the war uh, the work that Uwe Neuhaus has actually done in Bielefeld and you're going forward, they're now in 11th position after the drawing uh, in Kerpenick. And so, when when they look, they're the only two points off someone like uh, Bochum who have struggled as of late. But when we consider Bochum on the fringes of the potential promotion challenge, I don't think there's uh, any reason why, you know, we can't, uh, you know, cautiously maybe, but we can't include uh, Armenia in that uh, discussion now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, for me, they're probably just on the outer rim, but they're... You know, if they can continue the way they've played, their application of of the setup that Uwe Neuhaus has wanted to implement, I think they 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 should be clear from any sort of danger. That is speaking of Bochum, uh, they are the last of our Group One games. They hosted Holstein Kiel, uh, and it was a very ordinary display by the Ruhr side. Three goals to one defeat for them. And three of the Kiel goals coming in a span of 11 minutes. Alexander Mooling opening the scoring on the half hour. Yanni Lucasera. two minutes later from the penalty spot. And then Masaya Okugawa scoring his first goal for Holstein Kiel. The lonely from uh, RB Salzburg. Um, Simon Sola got the one and only goal for Bochum. But uh, Alex, they were very much asleep in the first half. And they were very much made to pay for it.
0: Yep, I don't think you could... uh find a better example of you know being made to pay for having a sloppy start to the game and uh, once again it was their defensive frailties especially after the winter break uh, well, especially in February actually uh, they lost all the games in February that um, really come to pay for Bochum and I mean I, I hate to uh, pick on individuals but uh, I, I wasn't impressed by Dominic Baumgartner again uh, it, it, it's, it, you know, it's hard it's hard they have conceded what is it now it's 10 goals in the last four games and just have, have any chance of i mean a, a few weeks ago we were saying you know they uh, they could be in a chance for the promotion uh, playoff space we, you know there's no chance of doing that when you can see 10 goals in uh, four games uh, so i think this season has uh, turned from a potentially optimistic one for robin dot side to one where i think it's just a case of plodding along to, towards the end of the campaign now
1: yeah, they're in a really they're kind of in a nothing situation. We we don't think they're going to be involved in the relegation scrap, but they they're very much dropped off the pace of, of making a, a push for that third place position. Um it, it's disappointing for them because, you know, they're a team that looked very good, but yeah, as you said, defensively they've become a bit of a shambles. We had um Elliot on the podcast last week and and he outlined how some of the fans were a bit disdained with Manuel Riemann but you look at the three goals they gave up and you can't really fault anything on him. He, he did his job but defensively they are all over the place and something that Robin Dort needs to fix. We'll take a quick spell. Do join us. Group 2 games are just around the corner. We start in Bavaria with Jan Regensburg. and need for be careful. Gründner! Auch der trifft jetzt! Yes, and the first of those Group 2 games, did come from Regensburg. It was a 2-1 win for Jan over Hamburg. The game started quite well for Haasfeld. David Bates opening the scoring on 16 minutes, but two late goals from Sargis Jan and Marco Grutner, the two guys we've spoken about quite frequently on the podcast for not scoring in recent weeks, repaid the favour, giving Jan the 2-1 win Plenty happened in this game. Of course, there were two red cards shown. Oral Mangala was the first to be sent off. Second yellow was for a bookable offence. And then Janicic was also sent off in time added on to compel a very dim day for Haasfell. Alex, um, oh, we obviously didn't expect this as the result. It's a good win for Jan. Um, but Haasfell really shot themselves in the foot in this one.
0: Yeah, definitely and I think when you look that uh, when they were 1-0 up uh, Pierre-Michel Lasoghas miss. Uh, I mean I think you have to look at that and applaud him for getting it that wrong it was harder to do what he did than actually score uh, I think that really sums up him as a player though uh, at times um, I mean some of the German media have labeled it a crisis at Hamburg already and you know that is you know so reactionary it's uh, untrue you know they still sit at the top of the table. Granted, FSA could go top with a, a win in their extra game against our. Uh but you know for the job that Hannes Wolf has done at Hamburg so far, I think it's you know extremely uh, over the top to label it a crisis at the moment. It's a one-off result. You know every team can have a crisis of a game, as FSA have shown us numerous times in the past few weeks. And uh, you know uh, I, w- I won't get too uh, too worried about how Hamburg will end the season just to uh, just at the moment.
1: Yeah, uh, what, what a crisis to have being top of the table and, and losing to yeah. a side that is actually quite decent at home. Uh, it did break a spell of almost over 360 minutes without a goal for Jan. Um, it, it's been tough sledding for them. Um, I, I think go- obviously that highest foul missing their chances and going down to 10 men certainly helped but It takes a good side to capitalise on that man advantage and go for the win. Take note, Schalke. Uh, The second of our Group 2 games was in St. Pauli. They beat Ingolstadt one goal to nil. The one goal coming from Alexander Meyer. It's his fourth goal of the season for the boys in Brown. And it keeps St. Pauli's hope of promotion alive. Um, Alex, I mean, it's not an ideal from the Ingolstadt point of view. But, I mean, there were still positives from this game.
0: Yeah, exactly, and um, you know, to go to someone like the Milan Tour and your early doors, especially you know, the Shanza looked capable of scoring. I think Paolo uh, Avio uh, had a good shot that was well saved. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's always hard to go to the Milan Tour, uh, and I think those of you who follow me on Twitter uh, will have seen me put the absolute nail in the coffin the night before when I said that uh, Alex Meyer was yet to score in five appearances against the Shanza. So what did he do? He scored in his sixth uh, appearance, and he got his fourth for Pauli And you know, with someone like him up top, you give them, you give Sam just that small chance <clears throat> that the Shanza did when they uh, switched off for the short free kick, uh, Burn Palson yeah. especially, and uh, that's what someone like Alex Meyer can do. And unfortunately for Jens Keller's side, they don't really have the leniency to be able to give up soft goals like that uh, with the situation that they found themselves in after the shocking start to the season
1: that's very true and, and, and Keller obviously come in with the, the goal of avoiding the drop I think they've played some better football uh, under Keller um, I didn't think they were too bad in this game they they, they did create some chances um, but yeah as you said you know they, they switched off at the worst possible time and they were made to pay for it as for St. Pauli um, it breaks the, the two game losing streak they were on it's a, it's, a, it's a big win for their confidence and now they've got the chance to move forward in, in what will be a very tough game coming on the weekend, but we will preview that one later. The last of our Group 2 games was in Furt. They drew nil all with Heidenheim. No goals, obviously, in this one. Um, not a lot to say about this game, but I think Heidenheim, towards the end, were really pressing for a winner, but Correta um, Furt were able to hold out, Alex.
0: Uh, yeah, definitely. I think that's been the uh, their strength really under Stefan Leitel You know, as as we say, they're unbeaten still under him, uh, and you we've know, conceded very few goals. Only the <clears throat> I think it's the one or two under him, and you know, against against someone like Heidenheim you know, week in week out, we seem to be pl- uh, congratulating Heidenheim on another great uh, performance, or they've scored a number of goals. Uh, so I mean, from a fourth perspective, again, uh, as I mentioned with the two teams at the beginning of the preview, uh, I think. Sports will be uh, extremely pleased with a point, uh, especially how you know their form had nose uh, nose dives. Really, uh, from a Heidenheim perspective, again, I mean, for a club of their size and ambition, they can't. I mean, it seems patronising to say, but they can't be too displeased with a you know, draw. They they have to recognise how well they are doing, and I think as a club, they do recognise that. Actually, they seem one of the more grounded clubs, and. Um, Again, you know, they're still well-placed to push for the promotion playoff spot, so I think both sides, again, will be not too displeased with the points.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, you know, Stefan ladl's done a decent job so far. He's only three games into his tenure. Um, it, there's not really a lot to really say about it. I mean, you know, Heidenheim obviously missed the chance to stay level with Union Berlin, but they're still very much in the hunt. It, it is very, very tight at the top, and anything could happen coming this weekend. The Group 3 games are just around the corner. We will be starting in the Carnival City, as Köln hosted Sandhausen. Yes, and the first of those Group 3 games does come from Köln. They were winners on match day 23 with three goals to one victory over Sandhausen, but they did it the hard way. Sandhausen opened the scoring on four minutes through Andrew Wooden. Mm. And then just after halftime, Dominic Drexler getting the equaliser. And it would be the joker, Anthony Modest, scoring twice in the final 10 minutes to give Kern a 3-1 win. Um, Alex Kern were, well, let's just say frustrated in this match. Um, and it took their super sub, Anthony Modest, to, to, to give them the three points.
0: Yeah, definitely. And if, I think uh, this match, if any, actually uh, shows how uh, SA's quality, they've got uh, you know, essentially Bundesliga quality, uh, really can shine through in the most difficult moments. Uh, so Modest is the evident example with his two goals and two great finishes at that. Uh, but I'd also like to, to point out actually for Drexler's equalise, it was a Johannes Geis' uh, free kick to the back post. Um, you know, it, it basically invited the goal and... I think you know, all three goals came from or had some link to a player that has been in the Bundesliga or will be in the Bundesliga, you'd imagine, in um, in the near future. And I think you Even though Sandhausen played well and they actually scored a, a decent goal through Bruton and Dennis Deepmeyer's cross, uh, their own Bundesliga quality, you could say. Um, I think it just shows how SA, when, when the going gets tough, you know, barring miracles like what happened at Paderborn's tin hut the other week. Uh you're know, they're going to be able to uh to really dig out results when it uh, gets negative for them.
1: Yeah, and that's really the difference is the fact they've got the the likes of Draxler, Modeste, uh, Louis Schaub who made his return from injury. I mean you've got Vincent Contello, uh, you know, Geis is slowly making an impact With And that's just a a rags-to-riches sort of situation. And and you kind of feel sorry for Sandhausen, who really needed to get something out of this game. Um, They weren't able to. They stay inside the relegation zone, and and it's only going to get tougher for them. The second of our Group 2 games comes from Darmstadt. They hosted Dynamo Dresden. It was a 2-0 win for De Lillian. Tobias Kemper scoring from the spot from a dubious penalty we'll go with. Uh, And then Suet... So Sirdar Dursan was able to get the second on 85 minutes. It was a frustrating outing for Dresden. Once again, missed chances, really ending it. And it saw the end of Mike Valkpurgis's tenure with Christian Fail coming in. Um, Alex, just another disappointing result for for Dresden. And, and eventually, a big Mike is uh, is out the door.
0: Unfortunately, so he is. Yep. Uh... I don't think it's any surprised. Potentially, uh, Dresden have followed uh, what Fort did. Uh, the form has nosedived, and they've almost had to take uh, to take affirmative action to stop that, uh, just in any way possible. Uh, I, I personally couldn't see the form uh, that Mike Valpogis had Dresden in was going to change. Uh, it's, I mean, we see we see the Hamburg game a few weeks ago. It's it's easy to raise your performance when you go to somewhere like the Stadion. Uh but when when you go to other places following that and you look, you know, worse than that performance and you're still not picking up points, it's hard to really uh give him, you know, that leniency that, you know, he he will turn it around. and especially when Dresden look like they're going to be dragged into the relegation scrap. Um you know, I think uh, the managerial staff in and in, in Dresden had to make a decision and they have done.
1: Yeah, it, it it's one of those things and it's kinda of weird because the guy who was the caretaker manager between the Neuhaus and Valpurgis era has been given the job. He's signed a contract until twenty twenty one. It's a, it's not. I don't think it's too much of a surprise. It's a very safe hire. Uh, good for Christian Fail to get a chance. As of well for Darmstadt, they announced their new manager in Dimitrios Gramotis. He was the under nineteen manager at VfL Borkum. Uh, he was able to see a Darmstadt win and for Darmstadt Alex this this was a must it was a much needed win um, can they build from this?
0: Certainly and um, I, I believe they can actually build from this the you know they have the potential at home to make it a hard place to go to even though half of the home ground isn't there anymore mm. uh, but you know I just want to really raise said uh, Durson really I mean I think his signing has been a an extremely good one actually for them he's someone who apart from that uh, well his first season in Forts hasn't necessarily scored that many goals at the highest level throughout his career and you know it seems to be an astute piece of business from Darmstadt's perspective now he's, he seems to be their main threat and you know, as you mentioned he, he got the all important second goal at, at, at the weekend and you know, picked up essentially uh, what three very important points for Darmstadt uh, so I think yeah sum up he's been a, an extremely important signing for them
1: absolutely and he just needs some help he needs you know a couple of other other strikers to to lend a hand and if you think that that should be enough for Darmstadt to avoid the scrap the last of our games from matchday 23k comes from Auer it was a nil nil draw with MSV Duisborg uh, again it was a, it was another frustrating game I think Auer with a better side for, for longer periods uh, the only real incident of note was Lucas Frodo was sent off for Duisburg, and that Torsen Leipzig side remains bottom. Um, Alex, it, you know, a result that doesn't really help either side, but a fair one nonetheless.
0: Yeah, uh, I think you've summed it up particularly well there, Matthew. Uh, but I mean, from Duisburg perspective, it's a point. Uh, I mean, I suppose I mean they are still within. The other teams at the bottom and your victory would really shoot them up the table. So, in that sense, it's not the end of the world. And from our, I think they pick up far too many points to be dragged into the scrap. Uh, They're on the same points as Darmstadt. And as we've just said with Darmstadt, it looks like they will probably drag themselves out of it. So, I think if we see our in that same vein, um, even though they haven't particularly uh, had a great start to the second half of the season, they do seem to just pick up points uh, now and then. Uh, which will ultimately see them stay up Um, I think yeah there's not much to write home about this one but for both teams I think they won't be happy with a point but then to put it in perspective uh, a point uh, they have to take a point evidently but it's one they can work with
1: Yes, and on that note, we are going to take a break ourselves. Just a nice little intermission. Go grab a coffee, do whatever you need to do. We're going to be heading straight to match day 24 with our Group 1 games between Holstein Kiel and Union Berlin. Be back from that short intermission and kick on with match day 24, which is just around the corner. Our top spieler for this week is Holstein Kiel hosting Union Berlin when the two sides met last time out. It was a 2-0 win for Union. Kiel will have never won this fixture before, but it promises to be an absolutely smashing contest, considering both are very much in the hunt for promotion. Uh, Alex this has the makings of a really good game. Two sides who, you know, have relatively differing styles. How do you see this one playing out?
0: It's an extremely hard one to call, actually, Matthew. Uh, and, you know, when you look at the stats and figures and whatnot, you know, it's, it's, it's even harder to really uh, split them again. Your Keel have only lost uh, once at home. And if you extend that, they've only actually been defeated uh, once at home since last April. And so you see how how difficult a place, you uh, going up up north to Kiel can actually be and when you consider that Union have struggled on the road well struggled with in, in parenthesis uh again you know losing an hour and uh, Sam Pauli then you can see you know Keel potentially turning them over but then you've also got to look at the context that Union have still only conceded 21 goals and only lost two games those two aforementioned games and so it's, it's really hard to split this one uh but then I think on, on a more holistic level uh, Joe, as late as 2007, these two teams are facing each other in the Regionalliga Nord. And I think it's testament to the work that, you know, the club, Joe, you know, the managerial staff, but also the fans have done to you know, really grow these two teams into what we now consider the Zweiter Bundesliga powerhouses almost, and the two teams that are really pushing towards the Bundesliga. So if anything, uh, if, if you're not a fan of the Zweiter Bundesliga, I think this would be a great one to watch I and mean, you want to get into the league and really understand why so many of us actually uh, come to love this league as well.
1: Yeah, couldn't agree more. That statement is super factual and super true. I mean, you know, Kiel were the darlings of last season. They were unbelievable under Marcus Sandberg. You know, Tim Vols has done a fantastic job. And the same has to go with Urs Fischer, who, you know, inherited a job which, you know, Jens Keller nearly got them to that promotional playoff. They were pretty ordinary last season. He's instilled that almost impenetrable defence Um uh, this has the makings of a great game, I think. Um, it really is too tough to call, and I think the points will probably be shared. Another of our promotional playoff pushes for Match day 24 brings us to Paderborn, or the Tin Shed, or whatever where you want to call it. They host St. Pauli, what should be another cracking game, a team with absolutely magnificent attacking flair like Paderborn against the... Who gods, Alex Meyer and Co. Last time the two sides met, it was a two-one win for Pauli. But in fact, say so Pauli have never won in Paderborn. This seems to be a very intriguing fixture, Alex. Is there a way to separate them?
0: Again, it's it's like the last fixture. it's hard to separate. Again, I think I think to add more context to the fact that they've never won in Paderborn. They've actually the two teams have actually met eighteen times since two thousand and three, so it's not just one or two games in Paderborn it is a, you know, a consistent run of poor form there um, but yeah it is hard to split them. I mean we might mention that Paderborn have, haven't kept the clean sheet in four games and they've conceded four in that in that spell but at the same time they've scored six and it really sums them up as a team and especially at home you know they're unbeaten all season at home and they've won four on the bounce at at the Bensler Arena or Tinchet and in the process they've scored 18 goals which is you know as, as an away team, Joe, it's, you know, it's extremely daunting having to go to somewhere like that in the form that you know Paderborn are in. Um, but then to counter that, and um, as when I reviewed Sampdoria's game against Ingolstadt, I mentioned Alex Meyer, and you know again you have to mention him the quality that he has. He scored three goals in his five appearances against Paderborn. and so with someone like him up front, and you know, Paderborn's, again in parenthesis defensive frailties, you know can. Quite easily come away from this uh, this fixture with um, with some points. Um, though it has to be said, uh, Alex Meyer has actually lost his two visits to the Benfica arena. So it seems that every uh, everyone connected to Saint Pauli doesn't have particularly fond memories of the Benfica arena. Uh, well, I don't think anyone does who actually goes to the Benfica arena. Uh, if, if we if you see Jonathan uh, Walsh is uh, <laughs> moaning about it when he went there with us the other week.
1: <laughs> yeah, it seems that uh Paderborn Stadium is not particularly fond, but I think they, I I believe they're going to win this game. Um, despite their defensive frailties, as, as as you touched upon, Alex, I think their attack is dynamite. You know they've got plenty of options going forward. You know you got um you know Bernard Tekpatai, I mean, Bubka Gaya, Sven Mikkel, Zalinski has chipped in a bit, and, and Kai Prager has been a very good signing for them. I'm intrigued to see how Saint Pauli. Uh, line up defensively uh, against Köln. We saw Saint-Pauli go for a back three with the two wing backs. Didn't particularly work. Um, I, I, I'm, int- I'm intrigued to see how Kuchinski is going to set them up to to, to 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 try and stop this dynamite attack. The last of our Group One games brings us to Heidenheim. They host Jan Regensborg. Last time the two sides met, it was a two-one win for Regensborg. In fact, the last time. Heidenheim beat Regensburg in league play, this excludes the cup, was back in 2009 in the Dritzliga, the score of three goals to two. So Alex, with that in mind, is it the time, 10 years on from that win, that Heidenheim takes a win in league play versus Regensburg?
0: Again, I mean, it sounds like a cliche, and I've said this for the two games we've already previewed, but it's hard to separate both these two teams as well. as we know, Jan Ravensburg are decent at home, um, and so you know, even though, but then away from I mean away from home as well, they've actually shown that you know, they can pick up some big results again. You know, they beat Ingolstadt in, in the Derby away from home. So it, it, again, it's, it's extremely hard to split these two. Um, though I probably would like uh, I'd probably put Hardenheimer as favorite for this one, uh, though. We should also remember that Marco Gruttner, uh with four goals is actually the top scorer in the history of this fixture. So again, it, it really does um, call for, uh, well, it, it's hard to call this one. Uh, but again, as I mentioned with Holstein Kiel and Union Berlin, again, I think this is another perfect um, fixture to uh, show why this Weiter Bundesliga is such a popular league. It's, again, as much as it pains me to say with Jan, it's this is two teams that have really built up um, themselves in the right way, you could say. And uh, and look sustainable long term projects that can push on potentially towards Bundesliga in the near future.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and and a lot of you know the fans and, and the team itself, especially those running the club, have done a good job in in, in maintaining that. Especially Heidenheim, I think you know you look at the, the lack of resources that they've got. Um, they're a very small club, but they every year they they find a, a way, whether it's through the mid-table, or just avoiding the relegation zone. I mean, you know, Frank Schmidt's been there for what seems like an eternity. Um, he's done a fantastic job with them, and this season they've been they've been utterly brilliant. I think they might do enough to get this one. Uh, I'm looking towards the likes of uh, Nikola Dovedan who who I think at the end of the season might have some Bundesliga clubs calling. I think he's going to be the match winner for this one, and I, that's why I'm picking Heidenheim to win this game. To join us, our Group 2 games are just around the corner. We are going to start in Bavaria with Alex's Ingolstadt versus Köln. And the first of our Group 2 games is in Ingolstadt. They take on FC Köln. Of course, Köln have that midweek fixture, so whenever you're listening to it, they may or may not have played. Köln have a great record against Ingolstadt. In fact, the last time that Ingolstadt actually won against Köln was in 2013. It was a one nil away victory. So it's pretty evident that Ingolstadt may have its work. out. Alex, um, Köln have shown shown some vulnerability at the back. Um, Is there a possibility that Ingolstadt with the likes of Sonny Kittel could exploit that?
0: Yeah, I actually raised that uh, point myself in uh, my work before the podcast podcast. You know, F.C. are about a clean sheet in four, and they've conceded five in their last three. And you know, I think for the Shanza, that's probably the best chance they're going to get because they are the second worst attack in the division with only 23 goals, only Duisburg with 22 or worse. And so that bit of vulnerability uh, that F.C. have shown at the back you know, is maybe what's needed for the Shanzer to actually score a goal against uh, a team with so much quality. Uh, but then again, under Jens Keller, they have shown that they can score again three at hour and uh, two at home to Bochum, and with someone uh, in the ilk of Sonny Kittle there, I think I think I think the Shanser can you know, they can cause an upset, but at the same time uh, they are still without Almod Cohen and Tobias Schurk two important figures in the heart of midfield, uh, but and you mentioned as well uh, FSA, you know. Have the better of Ingolstadt in the form books, and it's not only that Ingolstadt have only beaten them once, uh, the last time came in 2013. Ingolstadt have actually only beaten them once ever in the nine fixtures that they've played. Um, and, the, and one of the last times the the two played each other in the vital Bundesliga at the Audi Sport Park was in 2014 when SA actually went up uh, back to the Bundesliga with a draw. So there's a lot of history between these two uh, playing at the Audi Sport Park. Uh, and I mean, I, I've said it in previous podcasts, I, I don't particularly think Ingolstadt are that good at home. I know it sounds strange coming off the victory against Bochum, uh, but I would err towards an FSA uh, victory personally. Uh, the Shander don't really strike me as a team that can really dominate a game. They, they thrive upon uh, away games, actually, under Kelly Jo. They, they performed well at St. Pauli. They performed even better at our, um And they won at Fort as well. So I, I think FSA's quality will shine through on this one. And... Uh, you know, they'll come away with three punts.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree. And you touched, we touched on it, um, in our, uh, third 23 review, excuse me, um, that, you know, that Cologne's overall quality, despite how poorly they can play, um, has been enough. Uh, they showed it against Sandhausen on the weekend. Um, it's, it's going to be tough for, for Ingolstadt. um, you know, just all that quality that, that, um, that Cologne possesses in midfield and going forward and, um, It'll be interesting to see how Keller sets them up. Hopefully, he, you know, he doesn't go negative. I mean, he he acknowledge that that Keln will have plenty of possession, um, but it's it's what Ingolstadt do when when they've got the chance uh, is going to be quite interesting. The second of our Group Two games is in Bielefeld as Armenia take on Darmstadt. Armenia won this fixture last time out, um, back in Dar- back in Darmstadt. In fact, the last time that Darmstadt defeated Armenia came all the way back in 2014 in the relegation playoffs. That's how long ago it was. That was, in fact, when... So, so very long ago, in fact, Darmstadt won that fixture and sent Armenia down. So then, I guess the question is, it's been a long time between drinks. Can Darmstadt take the victory here, Alex? Uh, Well, I mean,
0: coming off the Dresden result, I think there's no reason why not. And I think Armenia have shown that... You know, even though they have been on good form under Uwe Neuhaus, they do still have a poor result in MC. the defeat at home to Magdeburg the other week. Uh, and to put that in perspective as well, Uwe Neuhaus has actually never defeated Darmstadt. Uh, I mean, I think they've only played, he's only faced them one or two times, but still the the uh, the point remains that, you know, Armenia aren't particularly, uh, in the history books at least, don't. I mean, it's not all their way. Um even though you know, it has been a while since Darmstadt won there. Um, and as we've touched on uh, in the preview, really, uh, we've said our Durson up front, they have someone who can punish teams if the chance is there. Um, and yeah, I, I think there's a chance. Uh, again, I think this is an extremely hard one to call, but I've, I think there's a chance that Darmstadt could come away with a, a cheeky victory, maybe. Um, but again, this is another fixture that's extremely historic. We go from. Fixtures that show how well the Zweite League is managed. The first victory, the uh, first meeting, should I say, between these two teams was in 1978, and it, you know, it shows jump that the Zweite League not only has these well managed teams that are on the up, but it also has uh, traditional giants of German football really uh, that you know gives the league a lot of prestige and uh, history really.
1: Yeah, and I love me some history. Uh, can't deny that. Um, it is a tough one to call, but I think Armenia at the Alm... Even though Darmstadt obviously are going to have the new the new gaffer in, I think I think I Aminia mean, yeah, they just have the I don't know maybe the quality. Um, I think they've been a lot improved in midfield um, under Uwe Neuhaus. I think defensively they've improved a lot as well. They were shambolic in the first half of the season, but they've they've definitely improved. If you especially if you exclude the the Dresden game, I think it'll be tight. But I think it'll be an Armenia win. Our last of our Group Two games is in Hamburg. The league leaders take on Greater Furt. When the two sides met last time out, it was a nil-nil draw. In fact, Furt have never won this fixture since 2012. And in the last six meetings, four of those six games have ended in draws. It is obviously the Monday night fixture, and it is not a particularly short journey for Greater Furt fans. So we hope that you get there safely. Um, Danny, of course, further unbeaten under Stefan Leitl. Is there any chance that they could get an unlikely result in Hamburg? Uh,
0: well, I mean, when you've asked me for the other fixtures, I've been, as you probably uh, all noticed, I've been extremely indecisive. But I think I always like predicting Hamburg's games because, I mean, from from the outside, it's always quite an easy one to say they win. They'll win and uh, I, think, I, I don't think there'll be any change there. I think they will win at the Volkspark Stadion um, even though they are without Orel Mangala and Janjic as well. Uh, but then again, at the same time, this is uh, a quite strange fixture in the sense that there's only ever been over two goals once in this fixture and that came all the way back in 1964 and there's only ever been one home victory in this fixture which was a 1-0 win for Hatties Vau in 2013. Uh, so, even though I think you know, Hamburg will be too strong for Fort, uh, even though I do, I do, I do like Ingolstadt football. Got uh, Stefan Lietzle as their new manager. Um, the, his, the history books at the same time have suggested it could be quite a close one.
1: Yeah, as as you as you mentioned, the games have been tight. It's in terms of the score sheet. Um, I think I think there will be a response from Hearts. obviously they they were beaten at Regensburg on the weekend. Um, it's tightened the table up. And of course, if you're listening to it later in the week, uh, Kuhn could be top if they beat our on Wednesday night. It's a, it's a response game. We know Furt will try and keep it tight. They've certainly improved a lot defensively under Stefan Lydell. Um but, but it really is hard to, to go past Haasfeldt. It'll probably be a 1-0 win. They'll probably score in the final 10 minutes um, and, and make that long journey back to Furt incredibly frustrating. Our group 3 games are just around the corner. Do join us. It'll be Dresden and Bochum to kick us off. Yes, and you join us for the final of our Match Day 24 preview. Our Group 3 games starting in Dresden. They host Faal for Bochum. Uh, when the two sides met last time, it was a 1 0 win for Dresden. Of course, dresden have a new manager in christian file taking over from mike valporgus it's been quite even in this fixture the last two the last five in fact it's been two wins apiece and a draw but dresden have won the last two and have yet to concede so i guess the question is can bockham overturn what has been a disastrous february for them alex
0: This is the difficult one. In in the uh, other fixtures, I've found it hard to separate teams that are on good form themselves, yet this is the the basement derby almost. It's like, uh, who's going to book their their dreadful run of form? And it's it's really hard to call, really. Uh, On the one hand, Robin Dutt has lost both against Dresden, but then on the other side, maybe with a new managerial bounce, Dresden could lift it a bit more. But then you also have to look at both Musicone and Patrick Ebert are struggling with injuries and they have over 40% of Dresden's goals. So if both of them uh, missed out then it, again it's hard to call from a Dresden perspective. I, I know we have maligned muscone's finishing abilities in previous podcasts but it remains that he is one of the vital league's potentially on his day uh, you know, most dangerous strikers. Uh, so again I think this is hard to call but I think we've the new managerial bounce uh, that Dresden will have, I would put them as slight favourites, uh, and it, because it's hard on the opposite side to see Bochum uh, really uh, getting out of their their shocking form at the moment.
1: Yeah, this game is going to be very weird. I get the feeling. I mean, we have spoken about how poor Bochum have been defensively, um, and and they against a team like Dresden who have that incredible home atmosphere they cannot afford to give up early goals and if they do it's i would almost put curtains on them you know they've they've really struggled to command games they have a lot of possession i think they're either they're in the top five in possession amongst teams in the Spider bundesliga around 53 percent. but they don't do a whole lot with it and 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 they have contributed to their own downfall with a lot of a lot of defensive mistakes that have led to goals and you know, uh, whoever's whoever's playing up top, it'll be it'll be quite interesting. Um, but, yeah, I think Dresden slightly in, in this one. But, but but you never know. The, the league is crazy, and who knows? Bochum will probably win, and and we'll both be wrong. Uh, the second of those games of Group 3 is in Duisburg. They host Magdeburg. We saw six goals in the last meeting between the two sides. It was three goals apiece. They've only met three times, and Duisburg has the only win... But Magdeburg are one of only a few sides that are unbeaten in 2019. Um, Alex, we've spoken quite sparingly about how Mikhail Erning has improved this Magdeburg side. Is there a good chance they could leave Duisburg with all three points?
0: I would say so. I would put them at favourites. Uh, as we mentioned in the review of the last match date, uh, under Erning, they seem to grind out results. And against a Duisburg side, a shot for confidence, really. They don't really seem to be going anywhere. I, I would say... Uh, that Magdeburg will come away with a victory from this one. Uh, then again, uh, the, there's not a lot of history in this fixture. I think there's only been uh, four meetings between the two teams, and Duisburg have actually never been defeated. So it's a strange one in that sense. Uh, but it's actually strange, actually. You met, you brought up the last game between the two, uh, six goals in there, and I think it shows how poor that Duisburg have been. That that still remains the three goals they scored in that game. Over 10% of the goals they've been scored the entire season. Uh, and some way over that as well. I think it's more like 15% of the goals that they've actually scored. Uh, so it shows you how much uh, they've struggled. And against the Magsburg team have gone on leaps and bounds since that last game, especially under Mikel Erning. Uh, I think that just emphasises uh, why magdeburg might come away with a victory from this one.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, they are much improved. They, they've been able to grind results out um, against some decent sides like, like your Paderborns and obviously an improved Bielefeld side of recent um they've i think their their new signings have worked a treat i think um if they can get some goals into christian beck give him some service i think they're in a they're in great shape to not only win this game but to go on and survive the last of our match day 24 fixtures is in sandhausen they host erzgerberga hour sandhausen won this fixture last time out two goals to nil at the Stadion. Um, it's not a particularly world beating fixture. In fact, in the last 10 meetings between the two sides, we have seen less than two and a half goals, especially if you're a betting man. That's one to certainly keep in mind. Um, Alex, we've probably been a bit torn with a lot of the fixtures uh, this match day. Is that any different for this one?
0: I think, again, like we said, it is, it is a hard one to call, though I would say for Sandhausen, it's a particularly important one. And I don't think they'll get a. Perhaps a better chance of getting a victory actually uh, for the remainder of the season when you look at the context that you know, Esgeberger, our are playing SA this week, and then they've got the long, which is going to be a hard game for them, they're going to take a lot of that lot out of them. But then at the same time, they've then got to make the long trip from Saxony down to Baden Wurttemberg to play Sandhausen, and so Sandhausen will probably be faced with a quite a tired our side. Uh, And even though they may be in, you know. Maybe in poor form at the moment, Sandhausen, I don't think they'll get a better chance of a victory and, you know, with the position that they're in at the bottom of the table. I don't think you can under uh, underestimate the importance of or overstate the importance of this game for Sandhausen, Really,
1: yeah, I would agree. Um, it, it's well, they're very much in must-win territory now, and here until the rest of the season, um, you know, it's it's going to get tougher. And and this is this is they need to get points. Uh, if they can't. At least get a draw, then then you'd almost be be happy to write them off. Um, it, it is going to be tight. Um, I do agree. we will will have to use some rotation. Obviously, they've got the game on Wednesday night. Um, it's tough, um, but I, I just can't see. It, you know, as much as Sandhausen should probably win with the rotations we expect from um, Daniel Meyer and and Auer, I just can't see it happening. I think they've they just. Uh, Very lacklustre going forward. Defensively, they've been better um, in recent weeks, but I just can't see it happening. I think the points will very much be shared. We'll move on to topic questions now. We've got two of them. One of them is from Pure Football at Pure Football. Uh, They are a very good content site for Scottish Premiership. If you're into the Scottish League, I do recommend you check them out. Uh, Gavin and the guys there do a fantastic job keeping you up to date with that. I also did a guest appearance for them on David Bates, the Ginger Amos, so do check them out. They are wondering, how far do you think David Kinsombi can go? He, of course, is currently injured at the moment, but he's been, he is the captain of Holstein Kiel now, and he's been a pivotal figurehead in midfield. So I guess the question we could um, answer in particular, Alex, is what do we see from him in the future, and whether teams of the Bundesliga should, or even be, those who get promoted should be interested in his services?
0: Uh, yeah, I actually like this question. And uh, the first ink that I had when I actually thought about this, uh, when I saw the question, was two uh, two names came to mind. Um, one of them was Johannes Geis and the other one was actually Danny Latzer at Mainz. And um, not the comparable players, but it's more the career trajectory that they've been on. Yeah. You know, some, Kinsombi's worked his way up through the Dritten Liga, he's played for Magdeburg, Karlsruhe in, and he, you know, he's, he's firmly established himself at Holstein Kiel and you know, with the potential that he's gotten, that career progression up the divisions, it, it's not an unthinkable step to you know, move up the, the next level again You know, he, he's shown that he can do it at this level and like Danny Latzer did at Mines, uh, at Bochum before he moved to Mines. and so I definitely think, yeah, if He'll don't go up I think uh, there'll be there'll be many teams asking the question of how much do you want for David Kinsombi uh, and I think you know many teams in the Bundesliga potentially could uh, couldn't go far wrong to actually uh, purchase him and I think like Danny Lats has done uh, I think Kinsombi could e- easily uh, establish himself as a Bundesliga regular.
1: Yeah I tend to agree and, and I think if there was a team that may choose to use him if they couldn't keep one of their lone signings. I think it would be Hamburg. If they were... We're assuming they're going to go up. Um, he could easily play that that defensive midfield role in that sort of 4-1, 4-1 formation that they they have tended to favour this season if, of course, Oral Mangala is, is to be recalled by Stuttgart um, and, and that's someone that they want to keep. I think he would be a really good fit for them. Um, I think... He will be one of the hot commodities that comes out of the Spider Bundesliga this season. And and, and, as, and as Alex said, it, it'll be a question of how much. I think he's really good in defensive midfield. Uh, and again, as Alex said, I mean, he his progression has been very impressive. Obviously, he was a Mainz junior, then went to Eintracht Frankfurt, and then obviously the Dritterliga and now the Spider Bundesliga. I think he's done very well at Kiel. He, he's obviously well respected by the players. And I think. Um, his time will come and and I think it will come next season he'll be in the Bundesliga the last of our questions is from Steel Penguin at Steel Penguin 3 he says hello everybody hope you're well Uh, we are doing quite well thank you Uh, the the promotion race is reaching boiling point do you have any predictions as to what will happen it's a question that we're going to get every week I'm sure heading up to the uh, the end of the season it's one we'll uh, we'll keep answering and I'm sure it'll keep changing only 6 points separates top from 7th uh, to showcase how tight the league is we're, we're both probably going to agree here who's going to go up um, but I guess with the with the promotional playoff it's very much line ball um, with a few with still 10 match days to go Alex um, give us the two the two going up and who you think will finish third uh, so yeah I
0: don't think it's any surprise that I think Camborg and Köln uh, will go automatically up but then i will actually change my mind on the promotion one i've very much been blowing onion berlin's trumpet uh, that they will get that position um but then i think i mean i don't want to call it a wobble because it's not really a wobble but they've been dropping more points than they did in the first half of the season you're in positions that if you want to go up maybe not you can't drop those points like the armenia draw and to an extent, losing at St. Pauli as well, having got themselves back into the game. So, in fact, I'm going to um, go with Kiel uh, for the remain remaining uh, remain place for the promotion uh, playoff. And they just impressed me at the moment, uh, as we mentioned, the unbeaten in the new year. And with that home record they've got, if they can beat Union uh, this coming week, then that would really put the cat amongst the pigeons because they would actually leapfrog Union uh, and be ahead of them on points. So to play for, but I think I'll with uh, Holstein Kiel.
1: Yeah, I am very much the same with the two going up, Hamburg and Köln. I think it's very hard to debate that their quality is just a little bit too much for the remainders. I've been obviously banging on about St. Pauli, but I'm also going to change. And admittedly, it is going to be the same as Alex. Holstein Kiel really have impressed. I think their home record is fantastic. They've got really good synergy and the fringe players who were banging on the door, have ta- have had chances to play um, in, in Karazor and Okugawa and they've performed quite well and despite some of the injuries they've had, the, the next player up mentality has very much been a thing. They do have some big games coming up later in the season and, and I guess that'll be the maker whether they go into that third place or don't. But I'm sure I'll change my mind <laughs> uh, probably next week, but um, I'm going to go with Holstein Kiel as well. I think they... Will repeat. Uh, I would, which means that I am wrong because I had them finishing thirteenth this season. But yeah, I think they are going to they're going to go on and make the playoff once more. We thank you once again for listening to the Spider Bundesliga podcast from myself, Matthew, and Alex. We hope you enjoy your weekend of Spider Bundesliga football, and we hope to hope you listen to us next week. Goodbye. Bubala. Bubala. Oh, Tor! Alex Mayer.